0: hey everybody welcome to the true crime squad i'm christy brower and i am your co-host I, I am not your co-host. I am your host tonight. Katie is off doing the softball mom thing. So I will be updating you. I'm not sure maybe for the next couple of days while she's off on what's going on in the always wacky, always, I don't know, unfathomable Lori Ballow murder trial. Katie and I were not in court today. Um. But our dear friend Darla was and we appreciate her so very much because she tweeted all kinds of things to us so that we could still share uh, a Twitter and Facebook feed for you today about what was going on in the courtroom and how was it an interesting day it was all about cell phones today and if you didn't know that your cell phone will tell someone else, absolutely everything you're up to. I think we know now, don't we? Very, very interesting day today. A couple of things to note. Uh, some of Lori's family has actually shown up in the courtroom. Summer Shiflet is there. We think she'll probably testify here in the next couple of days. Uh, she can be in the courtroom during testimony. As you remember, she was designated as Tylie's family representative, as we all know, not so thrilled about that. But anyway, also in the courtroom was Summer and Lori's uncle, their mom's brother and his daughter. So their first cousin, uh, they appear to be sitting on the prosecution side and we do know Summer is being called by the prosecution. So that's likely why they are there. Although um, apparently um Lori did turn and look at them a couple of times, not a lot, but turned and looked at her sister a couple of times. You've got to wonder what it feels like to be sitting there on trial for murder and having family members show up knowing they're going to be testifying against you. And maybe she just doesn't care because she just doesn't seem to care about a whole lot, but maybe she does. I don't know. She paid pretty close attention to the evidence today, apparently. So let's jump right in. This was just all tons of cell phone data. So uh, Detective Stubbs from the Rexburg Police Department was back on the stand today. Uh, You may remember that last week, Thursday, was the last day of court for the week. And that uh, we reported on a lot of what Stubbs had to say. He was one of the police that searched their... Uh, apartments, Lori's, Alex's, and Melanie Boudreaux's. In Melanie Boudreaux's apartment, they found a binder full of credit cards that belonged to Melanie and her ex-husband, Brandon Boudreaux. So there was a lot of questions about Stubb's experience with uh, dealing with all of this electronic data. And he did talk a lot about his experience and about All of the courses he's been to and the, you know, updating of courses and information that he's done over the years, lots of special training to deal with um, any type of communication, photos, emails, apps, anything to do with somebody's phone. He has lots of experience with that. So he had filed a bunch of electronic search warrants and those were um, presented last Thursday into the case, uh, if you'll remember, it was a, it took like 30 minutes to list them all. Um, he said it, they said it was 20 or 21 uh, different warrants. So if Google or any other kind of account or app is on somebody's phone, then they can get a warrant for that company, and then the company can show them whatever, whatever information they are storing on behalf of that particular customer. So that's a lot of what was talked about today, because we're talking about all of these cell phones, all of these cell phones, you guys, crazy number of cell phones, cell phones and email addresses to keep track of all this insanity. I cannot imagine. So let's see. He said, Stubbs said that he's worked with a lot of companies, but often works with Amazon, Google, and Fitbit. And those were some of the warrants that he had issued. Uh, Lori was reported to have been taking a lot of notes today, looking down at her paper and not looking back at her sister a whole lot. She did a couple times, but not a lot. So Stubbs had 20 electronic search warrants. Um, and the first warrant, was sent to Verizon for Lori's phone. Um, Other warrants were to Google for Lori's accounts, um, that there was a mass amount of data returned uh, from that because she had so many. This data had to be spread out between multiple police officers because it was so much information they couldn't possibly, it was was way more work than one person could possibly go through. Uh, Let's see. Uh, There was another, this one blows me away. There was another warrant that was issued to Verizon uh, because they found a bill for 18 phones in Lori's name for Verizon. And she had a P.O. box that was found in Sugar City, Idaho, which is a little town just outside of Rexburg. That is part of what, uh, where Chad lived is called Salem, Idaho. And like kids who live in Salem often go to school in Sugar City. So it's kind of, it's sort of a little suburb of Rexburg. They're they're pretty closely connected. But this Verizon account had 18 cell phones on it in Lori's name. That is, I can barely keep tra- track of one. I cannot imagine trying to keep track of all of those. So he did say that, you know, Lori and... Alex and everybody, Melanie, they busted out of those apartments pretty quickly when they figured out what was going on with the that the police were onto what they were doing. And when the landlords went in to clean out these apartments, they did find several things. They found a couple of abandoned cell phones um, that they turned over to the police. You <laughs> guys, these kill me. So these were both associated with Alex Cox, two um, email addresses, Ray Lamar, a Gmail, and Homer J. Maximus, also at Gmail. There's also a Homer J. Maximus at, uh, there's another provider, I can't remember, right at the top, right off the top of my head. But I was very curious about some of (laughs) these names. So I did a little Google searching of my own, because it turns out that, you know, they were looking at a lot of what their Google searches were about. So I did some to kind of see what would come up. So when I searched Ray Lamar. Now, I, I know that there's a Ray Lamar Johnson or something like that who is, a, who is an athlete. Maybe that's who he's looking at. But the name Ray Lamar is actually attributed to a man who opened the first Lamar's Donuts in a gas station in Linwood Boulevard in Kansas City, Missouri, in 1960. Uh, he was known as the King of Donuts, and he died in 2005. So I don't know if Ray Lamar was this, if he was a sports fan, or if he was a donuts fan, right? So then we have Homer J. Maximus. Okay, the first thing that comes up. um, Well, first of all, this tells you how much this case has changed the world. That uh, several of these searches that I brought up almost immediately brought up stories about this case. Which is not what they were looking at when they were searching things. Um, so Maximus Homer was um, kind of known as a—it's kind of a moniker. And I know there's there's a link to um, there's a link to the Simpsons, and we'll get there. But then there's also someone on Facebook who goes by the name. Maximus Homer hasn't posted since 2012. And the post is, um, well, the post is only someone's torso with a note referring to what part of his anatomy might, might in fact be Maximus. So we don't know. Maybe that was the guy. I'm assuming it was probably a Homer Simpson reference. So Homer to the Max is the 13th episode of the 10th season of The Simpsons that um, it did originally air on Fox. Maybe that was one of his favorite um, episodes, but ironically, or maybe unironically, Homer to the Max is an episode where Homer discovers the television show Police Cops And it has a hero also named Homer Simpson. So he's super um, excited about that because he has the same name. But then the television character gets rewritten to be a bumbling idiot and is mocked and taunted. So he changes his name to Max Power to rid himself of the negative attention. And then Max gets new friends and... I don't know. All this stuff goes on. But anyway, maybe it's a reference to that episode. I don't know. But it's kind of funny that it's a sort of like a cops style episode, is where that character comes from. So really interesting. You know, I just thought, well, where does where does that name come from? And probably, oh, Cranky says I totally remember that episode. <laughs> Very interesting. So let's see, what else did we have here? Uh, Those email addresses just cracked me up. And I've heard the Homer J. Maximus one before, which I just think is so funny. Um, So what the police did is they did a tap and trace on the numbers that they found that were associated with Lori Vallow, Alex Cox, and Tylee Ryan. Because this is when the kids were missing And these guys had busted out of their apartment and disappeared, right? Or their apartments. And this is how they found Lori and Chad in Kauai. Uh, Stubbs said that two of the phones, two of the phone numbers that they had, were traced to Kauai. And when officers found Lori there, there were 10 devices that were found inside her rental car and they were seized. Um, They also found, I mean, I'm not surprised by this, a notebook with a whole page of email addresses and phone numbers, because how the hell were they keeping track of that many email addresses? And a lot of them had different Gmail accounts associated with them because they were Android phones. And so they were making new email addresses to link to some of these phones. And some of them were linked to other accounts and, you know, but it was definitely one of the ways that the phones uh, foiled this whole operation. Uh, let's see. There was another issue warrant that was also issued for Melanie's apartment. Now we don't learn much about what's going on in Melanie's apartment. I think that's coming. Um, that it's just been teased. Melanie's, um, Melanie Boudreau Pulowski's information has been teased several times so far, but I have no doubt that they will be, um, questioning her and probably her data will be cha- shared at that time. So we don't know what they found in Melanie's apartment. They didn't go into that. Um, the next warrant that they issued came after the children were found buried at Chad's house. So the goal of this warrant was to get very specific readings of all parts of the property is what Stubbs said. So they wanted that in relation to the cell phone pings. So the, the cell phones were pinging with cell phone towers nearby And they were trying to get as close a location as they could get on what phones were where on what days. And and this was done also with the help of the FBI. So there was a search warrant that was done to get geolocation data on the cell phones. uh, And that contained hundreds of thousands of records. This is like a massive amount of information to go through and uh, organize. So... One of the things that Stubbs said was if you were to drop a pin in the middle of Chad's property and make a circle 250 meters out, which is the size of about two and a half football fields, and then you did the same at Lori's apartment and ballooned that out as well. So then they asked Google for any devices that were also in those fences. So, what phones were in the same place at the same time on certain days, days, you know, dates and times that we know are important in this case? So they wanted to know every device that they could get from Google in that time frame to see who could they connect up related to in this case. And the dates that they did this on were September 8th and 9th and September 22nd and 23rd. Those are the times which we believe the murders were occurred occurred. So September 8th and 9th for Tylee, September 22nd and 23rd for JJ. Um, Subset only one device had the commonalities during these specific days and it belonged to Alex Cox. Uh, so what happens when they send Google a warrant is they get serial numbers back, not personal information, just serial numbers, which is serial numbers for the devices. So your phone has a serial number. Um, Google knows that serial number and can identify the geolocation information of that device. So, the police took 12 of those devices and serial numbers and asked specifically who owns these particular phones. And then they narrowed that down to 10 devices that were the most important, that were the most related to this case. And then they got more specific information on those. Um, They also had a private company that conducted an investigation to search on two of the devices. So, this is a huge. Undertaking, if you can imagine, they start huge and then they start narrowing down, narrowing down to connecting up the phones to the players in this case and who those phones were, you know, being self-reported to, being owned by. We all self-report owning our own phones. Right. Where is all this going? Oh, it's going to very important places. And I know that it seems boring and technical, and it is, but this is actually super important stuff, you guys, because this is how. They can place people at certain times on certain days in important places as a part of this case. Because if you'll recall, there are no witnesses to this case. There are no witnesses of the children's murders. There are no witnesses to the burying of their bodies. There's no witness to Tammy's murder. None of that. But this cell phone data is super important. And I know it gets a little tedious, but I think it's important just to learn it too, to recognize how important it is that the police have access to this information, but also it's super important that everybody remembers that, hey, if you got a phone in your pocket, it's telling on you all the time. (laughs) Right. Yes. Biffney says, totally defeating the purpose of having burner phones, totally defeating the purpose of having burner phones. Yeah. A real burner phone wouldn't be connected to anything that would lead back to the person using the phone. But they were buying burner phones, tons of them, obviously. But then they were linking them up to their email addresses. And then they're no longer anonymous. Do I think Lori still believes any of this bullshit? I do still think that she believes that she is, you know, on high and super important and is spiritually above all of this. I do. I think it's part of how she gets sort of stays above it all or removed from it all so that she's not freaking out every time she hears any of this information. Right. I wonder who was driving the Jeep Jeep when Alex Cox shot at Tammy and Brandon. I know. Um, I do too. I don't know if we'll ever know that for sure. Maybe we will. Uh, Yes, Christy yeah, this is the same process was ap- applied at the Murdoch trial recently. If the Alec Murdoch trial recently where he was convicted of the murders of his wife and son, very same in kind of information that did convict them. So let me tell you a little bit more about what they found. So. They use the information. To, first of all, find Chad and Lori in December of 2019. Um, They want to put another, let's see. So this is when they need to take a little break. We had a juror that didn't feel well today. And I appreciate them because they took a break and then they came back because if they'd had to not continue for today, we would have lost this day in court, which would suck, but they didn't. They took a break and then soldiered on, which I think is pretty cool. So more information about all the Google names and addresses and everybody that's been associated with Lori. Um, Stubbs did talk about how they were connected to burner phones, which are pay-as-you-go phones. A lot of them were purchased at Walmart grocery stores, like track phones is what they are generally. Um, Stubbs said it is a common phone used by people distributing illegal drugs so they can't have their number tracked. Right. That's definitely people that don't associate the phone with other things that would keep track of them, you know? Um, So Stubbs also said, and this is important, we should all know this, that tech companies keep a web of everything you're using, phone, laptop, email account, everything. They can all connect it to one user. You think about it. I have two laptops. I have a phone and a Gmail or or, or a um, tablet, all of them. And I have multiple Gmail accounts, but I, have connected my Gmail accounts to all of those devices. So Google knows what all of my devices are. Not just that I have them, but what they are, what the serial numbers are. They can prove physically which ones I was using based on my email account. Really important. Um, so they did identify, you know, Homer J. Maximus to Alex. And then they also had Lori for style at iCloud and long time Forever at Gmail, and those were associated with Lori. And Chad was very boringly chad.daybell at gmail.com, which I thought was really funny because I, I'm i surprised it wasn't you know something much bigger than this, like leader of the 144,000 at gmail.com, or maybe resting toadface2019 wasn't taken or was taken. I don't know. Right, they are truly stupid criminals. They are, because they didn't really know what they were doing in this, right? Chad is not a very creative guy. Uh, No, they're not saying quite that, that that Alex was the only one there for the murders. We'll get there. Let's see. Uh, Let's see. So, then there was a big argument over a USB drive. Ultimately, it was admitted in... um, so this was a this was a this was a search that Chad Daybell did um, on his link to his Gmail account. He was wanting to know what the wind direction, like what direction was the wind blowing for the next day, and it came up south southwest. Now remember, this is the day before he sent the text to Tammy that said, you know, I killed a raccoon and buried it in the yard, and I'm going to burn limbs. So he was making up excuses for why, um, the, uh, there was going to be a fire in the fire pit and why there was a fresh grave in the, uh, uh, pet cemetery. And these were, this was done on the day before it was significant because when they searched all of Chad's stuff, he'd never asked about that again before. And he never asked about it again either. So he had questions about where was the wind going to push the smoke when he had that fire going in his backyard, wanting to know who's going to smell what I'm doing. Yeah, it is. You're right, Frankie. It's super gross. Yeah. How do you write about loin fire, but have a lame Gmail account? <laughs> I don't know. I'm really glad there wasn't loin at gmail.com. There later were James and Elena accounts. They get real, well, and the, we'll get to the way that they were identifying these ne- these phone numbers in their phones. It's all very sneaky. It all makes it very, just one more way of proving that, yes, they were lying their asses off. They were covering things up on purpose. Um, because, you know, Lori has tried really hard so far to her, her defense has tried to show that she didn't know any of this was going to happen and hadn't prepared for it in advance, except that that isn't true at all. And we did hear about a lot of that today and we'll get to that. So let's see, they get to more Verizon records. They're looking at, uh, Lori's email account, lolly time. Um, looked for Malachite wedding rings and rings made of Malachite. That got searched and searched and searched. So I want to tell you a little bit about Malachite because, oh, first of all, I was going to show you a piece of Malachite because you all know I'm a stone nerd. I love rocks. And this is Malachite. Oh, you can't see it very good because it's not because it's green and my green screen doesn't like it. But it's a dark green stone that a lot of times has sort of banding and whorls of lighter green in it it's a beloved stone because it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. It's quite common stone, but let me tell you about malachite. So malachite is a stone that forms above copper deposits. So it has a lot of copper in it. Um, it's found a lot in caves. It's also often found with azurite, which is a real bright blue. Let me give you what I would say are the metaphysical properties of Malachite, because I think that maybe is where we're going with this. And as you know, um, you know, a lot of people, myself included, do believe in the healing properties of stones. And now I just believe in that for my personal self. I've had lots of experiences with it. Uh, so I just found a website. Uh, Malachite is an important protection stone. Malachite absorbs negative energies and pollutants, picking them up from the atmosphere and from the body, guards against radiation and clears electromagnetic pollution. Malachite clears and activates the chakras and attunes to spiritual guidance. I think that they were really looking for um, a stone of protection. They were looking for something that was going to protect them as they're getting ready to do their great spiritual whatever, right? Uh, and that's why they wanted malachite because there are tons of searches in their search histories about malachite. So Lori tries to order two malachite wedding rings and she's she calls them wedding rings, and there's been some debate about that in court with the de- defense team, but her searches actually say wedding ring. She'd ordered an 11.5 and a I don't know, Some of the notes I've seen say 4.2, which doesn't make sense because ring sizes are whole and half. So it's probably 4.5 malachite ring for a total of $808, which honestly for malachite is a lot because malachite is not an expensive stone. Um, This was, this search was done on August 25th of 2019. So only just five or six weeks after Charles' death. And at this time, Chad was still married to Tammy. So uh, Stubbs had said that they, he and other police, thought it was odd they were searching for wedding rings at that time. Um, she also searched for the word "possessed," just in general, the meaning of "possessed," and also how to remove the rear seat of my Jeep Wrangler. As you know, um, probably in the shooting of Brandon Boudreau, the shooter was laying in the back seat where the sheet seat should have been in order to shoot at Brandon Boudreaux. So um, that was searched for. Also, this person watched a YouTube video on how to do it. Um, in October, this account looked for wedding dresses in Kauai. This was on the same day as Tammy's funeral. So her funeral was October 22nd. And Lori's uh, Gmail account was looking for wedding dresses in Kauai. There were lots of searches regarding travel plans. On October 9th, he found a search to travel to Missouri. This was the day that Tammy was being shot at while she was outside her home. And uh, Lori and Melanie Boudreau did travel to Missouri to visit LDS church history sites. Missouri is a really uh, important state for Mormons. There's lots of church history, Mormon, Mormon church history there. Uh, let's see. They were also looking at information about hotels and motels. Those were um, in Motel 6 in Rexburg and Rigby. And there are various stays in September and October of 2019. So this is after Charles dies, but before Tammy dies. So likely this was Lori coming into town to visit before they got the apartment. It, Let's see. Uh, there was also, oh, <laughs> they submit Chad and Lori's wedding photos. And the defense wanted to know how they had those. And they were on a flash drive that was part of what was seized from Chad and Lori when Lori was arrested in Hawaii. So they show the vi- the wedding photos to the jurors in the courtroom. Uh, this is on November 5th of 2019. It shows them dressed in white on the beach in Hawaii. Um, hugging. There's another one of them standing in front of a Mormon temple in Hawaii. And another one of them dancing on the beach. And another of them wearing, of them with their hands, wearing their Malachite wedding rings. A lot of confirmation that the searches were in fact them. Um, Another one of them gazing into each other's eyes on the beach. Another of them having their wedding with the preacher who conducted the ceremony, which is a really odd thing because they were not um, affiliated Mormon, which is the thing that Mormons don't generally do, uh, at least active Mormons. Uh, there's also another one where Chad's playing the ukulele and Lori does a Hawaiian dance and they're both wearing lays. And there's another one where Chad is holding Lori in his arms while they kiss and the ocean is in the background. <laughs> i glad I didn't have to actually see those up close today because that just makes me want to vomit because there are this trail of people who are dead because of these people while they're out, you know, celebrating their wedding on a beach in Hawaii. Um, people in the courtroom said that Lori did not have much of a reaction. Uh, she did look at the photos, but she didn't seem to have much of a reaction. So uh, the state rested and Stubbs took up the, uh, Stubbs was still on the stand. John Thomas took up cross-examination. He asked him a whole bunch of stuff about his training and tried to imply that Rexburg is a small place and he probably doesn't cover that many of these cases and he doesn't have that much um, experience. Stubbs really shot that down, uh, listed all kinds of courses that he's taken um, and then other courses that he's taken to update as things change with software and stuff. Thomas wanted to know more about the burner phones and stuff, because Stubbs had said that drug dealers often use them. Uh, Thomas wanted to know if Stubbs thinks Laurie and Chad were involved in tr- drugs, and he said, not to my knowledge. And Thomas said, there are many reasons why people might use a burner phone. Yeah, like hide murder or an affair. Sure. Many. Thomas really wanted to know about that wind direction search that Chad had made. Why was that so unusual? Um, Stubbs said the user of this account was looking for wind on this particular date and time, which was the 8th of September, and that he never looked that up again. It wasn't like a regular thing that he looked up. So it was an anomaly in his search history. Um, Thomas really hammered everybody with, do you know Chad or Lori or Alex or Zulima's ring sizes? Stubbs said he doesn't know. I guess that was a bit of a gotcha, or supposed to be, um, because he didn't know, like, there if, if those were for them or not. I mean, Laurie and Chad were searching for them on their own accounts, and then someone actually did order. They actually attempted to order these rings three times before they got them. The first time, the seller couldn't... Uh, couldn't fulfill the order for some reason. The second time, Lori's credit card declined. They finally bought them on Amazon the third time. But uh, it was rather interesting to me that uh, like, maybe this is a sign people like maybe three times of trying to order your wedding rings is enough to go. Maybe you just shouldn't, right? Oh, and yes, Janet, um, John Pryor was in the courtroom taking notes all the way through this. So he is Chad's attorney and he is, you know, fast tracking uh, defense attorney 101 right now. Let's see here. Uh, so Smith redirects, you know, clarifying some of his training and asks if bur- burner phones are used by people who are trying to hide their behavior. And Stubbs says, yes, duh. Um, are they commonly used by people who are trying to hide their relationships from other people in their lives? And Stubbs said, in my experience, yes. Uh, which was pretty obvious, I think, to all of us. Um, let's see. Thomas had one more question for Stubbs. Did you ever see anything from Lori saying, I'm going to kill the kids? Let's kill the kids. Kill the kids. Stubbs said no to all those questions. They weren't quite that stupid. Um, Thomas wanted to know, based on anything you've seen, is there anything in there where Lori had texted or emailed any type of data that says anything about wanting to kill her children? Uh, Stubbs said no. Okay, whatever. Um they So Stubbs can be recalled, so they may have him come back. So now they call Nicole Heidemann. So Nicole Heideman works for the FBI. And so she did a lot of work on these searches as well. So we'll talk a little bit about what some of them were. This was, there was a presentation. A lot of this data is massive, hundreds of pages. And so they're bringing in like PowerPoints and summaries and the defense gets all pissed off about that, um, but the judge says that's actually fine because they can't go through line by line. It's just way too much stuff. It's way too much to put on the jury. And, you know, they're just parts that are more important than others, clearly. So what came from Heidemann were um, some searches. The first were gmail.com. Again, how boring, what a boring email address. Um, He searched on January 31st of 2019. Ned Schneider, Louisiana obituary, 1997. So Ned Schneider is one of the demon names they said had taken over Charles. I did that same search, and other than finding things related to this case, I couldn't find a specific person this was in relation to. Maybe this was someone that Lori knew of that that uh, Charles knew because he was from Louisiana. But I couldn't find anything specific there. Then on March 3rd of 2019, Chad searched June 6th star sign are Cancer and Leo compatible. Uh, May 4th sign uh, Taurus and Leo compatible. So he was comparing his compatibility with Lori. Anyway, that was kind of funny doing some astrology. Um, Then he searched on May 5th, 2019 for Malachite eBay, eBay Malachite Jewelry. So it wasn't just Lori looking for this; it was Chad too. Uh, then he searched Hiplos, and we've talked about this a little bit before. But Hiplos, uh, let's see. It's it's a name that's been used maybe as a demon, maybe in some like sci-fi type things. There are, um, there's a, there's a company that is a wholesale distributor of different sources of electricity that's called Hiplo. Um, There are a lot of different relations to this name, um, but there is one in particular that talks about it being... Um, a, a demon, a demon name. So, you know, obviously that's where they got that. Uh, then, of course, there was the um, infamous wind question. He also searched when you surprise someone with accusations, which I thought was interesting. Uh, he also searched for a Rhode Island area code, and we know he used that later when he called the funeral home asking about cremation after Charles died, he used a, he was planning to use an area code from Rhode Island. And I don't know if you know this or not, but on a lot of phones that are unassigned, like I, I have a, I don't have a phone plan. Like I'm, I use a prepaid phone because I hate those contracts. And I was able to assign my own area code to it, which obviously I think Probably he could have done the same thing with one of the burner phones he was using when he made that phone call. So then there was uh, Lori's searches. She searched Malachite again. Here's the one I think that chilled everyone to the bone. She cher- she searched Gerber Life Policy Life Insurance for Children, the Grow Up Plan. You've probably all seen those commercials. As far as we know, she never actually bought life insurance for her children, but in July. Um, not long after Charles' death, only about a week after Charles' death, she was looking up life insurance for her kids. Because, you know, at this point, she knew that she wasn't getting the life insurance from Charles. So that was pretty awful. Then on July 26th of 2019, she started searching ways to sell J.J.'s service dog, which she could not do the and and Bailey, the service dog, actually ended up going back to the people who'd originally trained him. And she searched some more for wedding bands made of malachite in August. September 20th, she searched Kennedy Elementary Ricksburg, Idaho phone number, which this is the elementary school that JJ had been going to. Now, see, she searched that on the 20th. And it is believed that JJ died somewhere between the 22nd and the 23rd of September. On the 24th, she searched for them again to get their phone number. And on this, on September 30th is when she searched about how to get the backseat out of her Jeep Wrangler. On October 2nd, she searched Gilbert, Arizona news. Well, guess what had just happened in Gilbert, Arizona? An attempt on Brandon Boudreaux's life. And on October 22nd, she searched for wedding dresses in Kauai. So... I think that a lot of this searching, I know it gets a little tedious, but um, it shows you how premeditated all of this was. I think that's important. This wasn't just spontaneous. This was all planned. And, and this, not, you know, not just this evidence, but lots of evidence we've seen. And this certainly is a part of that. Uh, let's see. So she used phone attribution to determine the primary user of the phones. And so that's how we know that there were, Chad Daybell had nine phone numbers between October 2018 and January 2020. Um, and there were three numbers of his that were of interest that were used during this period of time. Lori Vallow had six phone numbers, three were of interest. Ali Co- Alex Cox had six numbers, three were of interest. So they'd had a bunch of numbers, some of which they didn't use very much, but they all had about three phones that they were using on a regular basis. Uh, let's see. So this is when, so they start trying to determine talked a little bit about how they determine whose phone is whose. So they looked at things like Chad Daybell in his phone, um, a phone number that he was using. He listed it. It was listed in flight records. It was on a Hawaii lease agreement and some other documents. But in Lori's phone, her Lori for Style iCloud account, it was saved as Bishop Shumway. Totally fake, made up name. Uh, but in Seth Daybell's phone, it was listed as dad. So, you know, this is where they start to be able to verify for real whose phone, who was using this phone and family members and what they're naming, you know, these names are more accurate, obviously. Um, so there was a second number that was associated to Chad in her, Lori's, um, Lori for style account that was Melanie two. Um, Another one that was under the name Jamie. So the fourth number that was associated to Chad was saved as Bubby um, in Lori's account. And some of these phones were active for only short periods of time, like a month or two, and then they would become inactive. So they would stop adding time to them. Cause this is, this is the kind of phone that you have to buy a card to put minutes on. Um, so that's the phone July 1st, 2019 through October, 2019, the phone that Lori called Bubby is the phone that was used to call the mortuary in Arizona after Charles died. Um, Lori also sent an allegiant air confirmation to that phone. And also Lori grossly texted, uh, birthday kisses all over and was saved as Bishop Shumway in her account. Um, gross, gross, gross. Uh, Let's see, there was another number that was only in contact with one of Lori's numbers and one of Alex's numbers. It was saved in Lori's account as Bishop Miller. These are the kinds of names that if you're a Mormon, you wouldn't even have any question about, names of bishops, names of people in your ward or in your community. Um, Chad texted the Bishop Miller number, saying he would call from a 401 area code, which is Rhode Island. Let's see. Then there was another one um, associated. Uh, the name used was Raphael to refer to refer to Chad. Gross, like Raphael, like Archangel Raphael. Um, and James and Elena were others. Chad and Lori were using James and Elena as themselves in these phones. Um, Chad had sent some texts from some of these phones to his kids saying, hi, this is dad, the Raphael phone. Uh, that was also saved in Zulema's phone. Uh, there's another text, another number that shows up in text to Chad's children saying, hi, this is Chad. Like he keeps changing phone numbers, but then he's giving them to his family and he's identifying himself. Um, that number was used by Chad and Lori, according to Ian Pulowski. We'll hear more from Ian Pulowski because he turned over a lot of information in this case. <laughs> I love this. Lauren says, um, knowing Chad, it was probably Raphael the Ninja Turtle. Maybe it was. <laughs> They haven't gotten to, Lauren, they haven't quite gotten to where all these phones were during Tammy's murder and during the attempt on Brandon. they got to just barely where these phones were when the kids, we believe, were murdered and buried. And that's when the day ended. So I'm sure we're going to get more of that tomorrow. Right. What do Chad's kids think now? They're certainly not in the courtroom. They're certainly not supporting him in any way. I can only imagine how heartbroken they must be at this point. Um, so then there was a num another number related to Lori that had like Allegiant Air records, Delta flight records, and was the contact number on a Hawaii wedding qu- quote request. So they're just showing how they're relating all of this back. They're showing the jury. And we have to remember that everything that's being presented in this trial is being shown to the jury. Now, remember, for you and I. And most of us watching all of this, we have been following this case for a long time and we know this information upside down and backwards, but the jury doesn't. So this is them just showing the jury over and over again. We know exactly who was using these phones and at what times and where and some of the things that they were saying, because that helps the jury to to connect these people on Lori, particularly to the murders. Uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. Another number that was listed um, as part of a shipping address in Rexburg to Charles Vallow's Amazon account. So obviously that was Lori. Um, Another number was given to the Chandler police after Charles was killed. It was associated with Premier Financial Services. That was actually Charles Vallow's business And it was also listed as a contact on the Hawaii wedding quote request. So, again, you can't doubt that any of this information was these people. They've done their due diligence to track everything back over and over and over again. Uh, Another of Alex's cell phones that was attributed to, was provided by Alex to Chandler police when they were investigating Charles' homicide. And it was also tied to Alex's email accounts and, and was listed on Allegiant flight records. So, thing, you know, just tracking back to very official things that, again, link all of this to everyone. Uh, let's see. There was a, a third phone number that was actually tied to a Samsung Galaxy that was found in Alex's apartment. It was also associated with Alex's email address, and it was saved as Spencer's wife in Lori's iCloud account. So they were trying to hide this stuff, but they were also not very good at it. So after lunch, let's see. So Nicole Heideman's still on the stand. Lots of questioning um, about the presentations being put in, you know, all of this information and the way that they've tried to pare it down so that it makes sense to the jury. Um, there were more objections about things being um, s- summaries, and the judge said that's fine. The presentations and summaries are totally fine. Let's see. Uh, Some documents that were found in the Lori for Style iCloud account, one was titled Seven Archangels, and the second was Presiding Council of Archangels. Um, There was also these documents a discussion of Malachite, Raphael and James. Malachite, of course, we know, Raphael, probably an Archangel James, I think probably was James from the Bible. Tuesday was mentioned. They said things about Tuesday and and connected Tuesday to the color green a lot. Well, they were married on a Tuesday. They had green rings. Also, if you know it or not, uh, Archangel Raphael is connected with the color green. All Archangels have a color. Raphael's is green. Uh, more reviews. They searched for Malachite so many times. This was August 14th to Lori's home in Chandler. Um, these rings were ordered on Etsy, but the manufacturer couldn't uh, fulfill the order for some reason. Um, so then in August 25th, this is by the time she'd moved, tried to have more rings shipped to Rexburg, but a credit card declined. Then October 22nd, she did order... Um, another ring for herself and another one through an online jewelry store. And that ring actually was returned a couple of times. It, the 11 and a half was returned and a size 11 was returned, but they did also order a size 10. um, Which apparently was never returned. So that was on October 4th of 2019. Tammy died on October 19th. So they're buying their wedding rings before Tammy has died. Uh, more evidence that they were planning to get married and that they were planning for Tammy to be out of the way. Um, Let's see. Another, uh, a text message from Chad to Lori. This was on July 13th. So two days after Charles' death. And the message said, concerning the two weeks, BYU-Idaho's graduation is July 23rd. Adam, uh, Adam is getting his bachelor's and Leah and Joe are getting their associates. They're all walking in the same commencement ceremony. I feel like she will be gone by then, but I will still have the hoopla to deal with. So I believe that's why the Lord is making me wait. He's referring to Adam and Joe, who are his son-in-laws. Leah is his daughter. And of course, who's going to be gone by then? Tammy. Was she gone by then? No, July 23rd. She wasn't gone until October. This is how far out they were expecting you know, this to be happening, uh, on July 22nd, they texted each other regarding Kauai and the plan. And that's just the terms they used the plan. There was a lot of gross. I love yous back and forth and blah, blah, blah. Um, so wedding records indicated that, uh, Lori planned to marry Chad on November 5th, 2019 and that is the day they were married and they exchanged rings. Let's see. Oh, another phone got seized for going off in the courtroom. I I, I don't know why at this point people have not got it, that they've got to turn their friggin' phones off. You're right, Biffany. Teenage teenage mutant ninja turtles are also green. Correct. So maybe that was the Raphael he was referring to, but is Raphael the green turtle in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Though that I don't know. Somebody Google that and tell me, because I'm not sure. Because i I love the uh, I love the connection there because I think that's really funny. Um, let's see here. Uh, so Thomas has an objection. He says the dates of death for J.J., Tylee, and Tammy are in the exhibit. This is another exhibit that's coming up a PowerPoint from Heidemann. But the state has not proven they died on those dates. Now, if you'll remember, at the very beginning of this trial, the judge instructed the jury to not pay too much attention to the actual dates. The actual date that something happened isn't as important as the fact that we can prove that it did happen. Um, because are we going to be able to prove the actual dates of some of these deaths? Maybe not. Um, that's, that's a challenge. JJ, Tylee and Tammy all have basically a two day span in which they could have died because with Tammy, you know, we say October 19th because that's when Chad reported her death, but we have not heard from the medical examiner that did her autopsy yet. Because if you'll recall, Tammy's body was cold and stiff when the uh, when the paramedics arrived, and that takes several hours. So, did she die on the 18th or the 19th? We don't know. We have same questions for JJ and Tylee. So, will we ever know those exact exact dates? We don't know if we will. But does that mean they weren't murdered? No, it doesn't. Does it matter so much about which exact date it was? Not so much. Even the even the judge had you know said that to the jury. But in this moment the judge tells the jury that the presentation is a demonstrative exhibit and not specific evidence of those dates. So this is very interesting because we knew a while back the Mormon Church was subpoenaed for some information specifically about temple records and temple attendance. So this exhibit shows Chad and Lori visiting LDS temples together before their marriage. Which, um, this is very unusual, unless they're literally marrying each other in the temple and, you know, that kind of thing, not that they're having an affair. These start in 2018, okay? On November 6th of 2018, they went to a temple together. Not a common thing that people who are married to other people would do. In 2019, they visited temples together on April 3rd, April 27th, September 7th, September 17th, September 28th, and and another visit in October. They visited temples in Idaho, Texas, and Arizona. Now, a temple recommend is basically a wallet card that you get when you've been deemed worthy to go into a Mormon temple. And it is scanned when you go in. Their their cards were scanned within seconds of each other on all of those visits, except for one where they were scanned about 20 minutes apart, which probably just indicates that they were um, arriving separately. All those other times they were walking in clearly together. Raphael is red. Ah, Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, he was upset that he had to participate in the hoopla of his kids graduations. Right? What an ass. He, you know, just like earlier, the, the, the uh, text where he refers to himself as Harry Potter living with the Dursleys. Same thing, you know, how rude and ignorant is that? Don't you need special permission to even go in a temple? Yes, Cranky, you do. You need a temple recommend. And temple recommends these days are good for two years. So you have to prove that you are a full tithe payer and you have an interview to make sure that you're you know, not doing things like having an affair, uh, that you're sexually chaste, those kinds of things. So they clearly weren't any of those things, but they were in fact, visiting these temples, because once you get a temple rep- recommend, it's good for two years before you go through that interview again. So they were going in all of these temples, not even following their own religion, like, at all. Uh, let's see. So the day before Tylee died, Lori and Chad visited the Idaho Falls Temple, according to Heidemann. Day- JJ died around September 22nd, to the 23rd. They visited the Idaho Falls Temple on September 17th and the Rexburg Temple on September 28th. So before and after. And they visited the Rexburg Temple on October 29th, 10 days after Tammy died. So they're going into these Mormon temples with under the guise that they are following all the rules, not having an affair, not murdering anyone. You know, all of these things that they are promising every time they get that card scanned that we know they were not living up to. They're not living up to even their own, their own religion at this point. Um, Blake rests on that. So then Thomas comes in, wants to know why Ned Schneider was an important term to flag while she was doing the search. I mean, obviously we all know why, because that was a name that was used to describe Charles's demon or whatever. He asked if she did any further research into the significance of the terms. She said she didn't, it doesn't really matter. It just connects that search to Chad, right? Um, He wanted to know why she flagged the term Tuesday and thought it was significant uh, that they were married on a Tuesday, but it's clearly they are connecting the word green and Tuesday, green Tuesday, green Tuesday, the rings, And the day they're getting married. They're sort of speaking in code. Really poorly. Um, You know. (laughs) Thomas tried to say. That Tylee and JJ died on Mondays. Did they? We don't know. And that Tammy died on a Saturday. Now I find that interesting. Because they did not like. That these records gave dates. And yet he used them. Uh, He wanted to know. If Tuesday was so significant. You know more things maybe would have been done on Tuesday, but it was very clear that they were leading up to their wedding. Uh, Thomas did ask about these temple trips that Chad and Lori took together. Uh, He wanted to know if they'd gone in a group because that's a fairly common thing. You'll go with people in your ward or you'll go with your family and take temple trips to do uh, temple work. That's, that is a thing that Mormons do. Um, Heidemann didn't know, but she didn't know that Chad and Lori were there together. What does it matter? Right. Um, Thomas said that those seven visits are only a fraction of the time in Chad and Lori went to the temple, which is true. And she did agree with that. Um, he wanted to know why these particular dates were pointed out that relate to the deaths of, um, you know, of these people. She said she just put together a timeline of everything that was happening that included those temple visits. Um... Let's see. We're getting down to it. Uh, let's see. So then, um, he was done with her. Blake clarified a few things, um, but she's Heidemann's going to be called again. She's not done because they these these FBI analysts they have so freaking much information, really important information in this case. It can be a little hard to listen to because it's very tech. It's very tech. But it's super important. So then they call Nick Balance to the He's also a special agent with the FBI. Um, He is assigned to the Boise Resident Agency out of the Salt Lake City Division. So he's one of our more local FBI guys. He's part of the cellular analysis survey team called CAST. So they take cell data and they put it on a map and they basically track where has a phone been in a certain period of time. And then they can connect, you know, multiple people mapped where were all these people at all these different times. Uh, apparently, he does this kind of work all the time, has used it in hundreds of cases, like in homicides and missing kids. There are only 70 to 80 cast employees nationwide, um, but they have been through extensive training to be able to do this. Uh, let's see. He talked a little bit more about talked a lot about just cell towers in general and how they work and how rural areas have fewer and more urban areas have more, which, you know, we all know. So we said that cell phone towers have antennas that face three different directions and that your phone will pick up whichever tower has the, like the clearest, strongest signal, which might not necessarily be the one that's the closest to you. That's why they bring in the Google, um, the uh, Google Maps part of it as well, the Google Location Services that use the GPS as well. Um, Let's see. So they did something called a drive test uh, in our area, and that measures how far out cell phone towers reach. And he did a drive test in Rexburg in June of 2020. Uh, He said, because you can't, pinpoint an exact location for a cell phone, you get a general idea, and then you use the GPS, Google location backing to narrow that down, which is really important because we, you know, there's been a lot of questions about how can they know that Chad and Alex both had phones standing, you know, and they were standing in his backyard. That's how they use the cell phone tower as a broad, um, estimation of where they were. And then they use the GPS tracking that Google tracking stuff to narrow it even for even further. Tammy was shot on a Saturday. Right, Paula, doing the work for the dead after making people dead. Well, we don't know what they were doing. I think we're going to get some of that further. But what's been coming in the uh, um, some of the communication is that this is when they were sneaking into rooms and doing their own. They, they married each other several times. They did all kinds of different um, completely unsanctioned temple stuff. Yeah, okay. Let's see. Let's get back to this. We're almost done. So CAST uses a lot of different tools to track a phone besides cell phone records like Google location. So they're combining all of this information to get as clear a view and as specific as a as a very specific map as they can, right? Um, he dealt with 30 cell phone records. So 30 different phones and multiple Google accounts associated with Lori Vallow. Um. So we're just about done here because the judge could see that the, uh, the uh, jury was looking tired because this is so much to keep track of. Um, They wanted to admit this exhibit that summarized his report. Um, They objected the defense objected because it was 101 pages long. And, you know, they're like, the defense can have the whole report, but they want to do the summary for the jury because it is so much. And, you know, eventually they got permission to do that. Balance wanted to make it really clear that his mapping involves a phone. He's tracking the device, not an individual. We can't prove that the person was with the phone. We know the phone was there. Other evidence has to be used to prove that the person was there. So right before we're done, he starts talking about Alex Cox's phone that has the Homer J. Maximus account on it. And on September 9th, 2019, between Midnight and 5 a.m., there were three locations associated to the account that were northwest of his, of Lori Vallow's apartment. They were basically indicative of being in Alex's apartment. Uh, they, it, that phone had registered at Lori's apartment, you know, leading up to this point as well. Um, there were a lot of communications going back and forth on the morning of September 9th. On the devices that were linked to Chad and Alex. So they were communicating on their devices first thing in the morning that day. And there was a lot of text communication between Chad and Lori from 8:15 a.m. to 9.06 a.m. on September 9th, also. So this is the day we think that Tylee was killed and dismembered and, and burned. Um let's see apparently during all of this, Lori's kind of resting her head on her hand and looking at the maps. And this is where, and this sucks because like, we're about to get to the meat of where were all the phones during the kids, right? Um, and that's when they ended for the day. It's like, oh man, this is finally leading to somewhere important. And so it will be important coming out tomorrow from court. Um, so I think that this is a good lead up to why they can say where the phones were at certain times and what that may mean in relation to the other, what they're going to do here is they're going to use all of this phone location stuff and connect it up to forensic evidence that's been found. I think that's where we're headed here, but this is really the leading up to where everybody was at the time that everybody was killed, at the time that people were buried, all of those things. So super important day, but kind of tedious. But we're going to get some really important things right out of the gate in the morning. We don't have anybody in court for us tomorrow, but we will be posting summaries just based on what the news is posting tomorrow. And we will have a live stream tomorrow night to um, break it all down for you. So don't worry we're here for you. And then we have people live in the courtroom for the rest of the week. So we try to have people in there as as often as very possible, as you can imagine. That isn't always easy, but we're doing our best with that. So I just want to say thank you to all of you for joining me tonight. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow night to break down tomorrow's court. And I think we're going to have some more clear information about whose phones were where, on what days and at what times, and how that relates to the deaths of Tylee, JJ, and Tammy. So we're finally getting somewhere, I think, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to tip us for the hard work we're doing to stay up with this trial, it is much appreciated because, as you can imagine, we're putting in way more hours in the last few weeks than we normally do and we will continue to until this trial is over. To do that, go to truecrimesquad.com. There's a couple ways there. You can buy us a coffee or you can send us a a tip on PayPal. We love you, we appreciate you. We've all been leading up to this for three years. Many of you have been with us from the very beginning. And if you're new, welcome. Um, But if you didn't know it, Katie and I live locally. This case is local to us. This happened right down the road from our aunt and uncle's house in a community that we are very familiar with and have lived in since we were little kids. So this case is really important to us. We want there to be justice in this situation and we do believe there will be. So follow us as we continue to update you and give you everything that you need to know. And you know it, we are the True Crime Squad. Thanks for being here.